Good morning, everyone. Happy New Year. Happy New Year. Has it been that bad? Happy New Year. Happy New Decade. Uh, it is lovely to see you. Um, if you're new here, my name's Philip. I lead the team. And um, I haven't preached for a while. I, my preaching boots are rusty. Uh, it's been a couple of months since I've been able to have the privilege of teaching the Bible to you, uh, not least because of a bit of paternity leave. Um, and on that note, thank you very much to all of you who have blessed our family. Uh, we had a little baby boy before Christmas. Thank you so much for all of your encouragement and kindness and meals. Thank you for Meal Train. That is, a, that is manna from heaven, those amazing meals that you've given us. Thank you very much. Um, we're, in, we're in good shape and getting used to being a, a family of four-ish. Uh, um, thank you also to those that have preached over the last two and a bit months. I hope you guys know if you're part of King's Church that God's been really kind to us. We've got like 10, 12 people now who are at different times in the year uh, alongside me uh, are teaching the Bible to us. God's been so kind. We're a small church. We had a preaching team of one uh, at one point in 2015 and now we've got a whole squad of people who are uh, gifted and willing uh, to teach the Bible to us, which is I think a real mark of the kindness of God to us as we go into a new decade. So thank you to you uh, guys and girls and look forward to partnering more with you in 2020. This week and next week, we are looking at uh, the vision. Vision Sundays, in simple terms, is today and next Sunday. I wanted to take some time for us as a church family uh, to just consider a little bit of who we are for this year and what we're going to do. In other words, who we're going to be and what we're going to do. If you are new to us or you're brand new to church or you're just looking into church or you're wondering about the whole thing, this is basically who we uh, aim to be in God. Very simply, we want to be a community where we're committed to knowing God in all his goodness and his grace. We're committed to being the kind of community where you can be known and loved, personally, tangibly, authentically. And we're committed to being the kind of community who are making God known, making the Jesus that we've sung about known to our neighbors, to our city, and to the ends of the earth. That's who we are. But specifically, I wonder what else God is calling us to within 2020. That will be our vision as best I know it next year and the year after and the year after that. So what is God calling us to be and calling us to do uh, into 2020? And to find out, I want you to turn to Daniel chapter 9, which is a passage that God's often led me to and, and did so again, really. I felt God speak to me uh, quite clearly in a, a wonderful prayer meeting that we had, an encounter evening before Christmas. And uh, I dug into Daniel 9 again and feel like this is the place for us to, for us to land uh, in these next couple of Sundays. If you are new to the Bible uh, or you've kind of forgotten about Daniel and who he is and what, what he's about, let me give you a brief bit of context. We are in 538 BC and Daniel is an elderly Jewish gentleman in 605 BC, he and his people were forcibly exiled uh, from Israel, from Jerusalem, and taken by the Babylonians to Babylon. And by now, Daniel is an elderly man, probably in his 80s. He has lived faithfully and courageously for like almost 70 years in the royal court in Babylon. He has refused time and time again to compromise on his faith and following the God of the Bible. And at the same time, he's been committed to blessing the city that God has planted him into. And God has blessed Babylon through Daniel. And then in 538 BC, this kind of global moment happens, at least the, the known world of that time. 
and the Babylonians, who would have seemed to be impregnable in their power, are suddenly removed by the Medo-Persians, and Darius or Cyrus uh, sweep aside the Babylonians, and Daniel's left wondering what on earth has just happened as the kind of world power shifts, and he finds himself in Babylon, occupied by a new world power. Okay, history lesson over, verse 1, chapter 9. Here we go. I'm going to read the first six verses, and then we'll drop back in both this week and next week. In the first year of Darius, the son of Asurus, I practiced that this week, and that didn't come out very well. (laughs) By descent, a Mede, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. Then I turned my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. I prayed to the Lord God, the Lord my God, and made confession, saying, O Lord, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. We have sinned and done wrong and acted wickedly and rebelled, turning aside from your commandments and rules. We have not listened to your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings, our princes, and our fathers, and to all the people of the land. If you're wondering what I believe God's leading us to in 2020, it's right here in these first six verses. It's not novel, it's not new, You probably can't tweet it with something imaginative, but it's very simple. It is to pray. I really felt like God has led me through uh, that prayer meeting before Christmas and in discussions with John and other leaders and into this passage that he is calling us to really learn how to pray. If you were at our encounter even before Christmas, that was something that I felt came through, that God would teach us how to pray. Not because we don't know how to pray. This is a praying church. But I believe there is much, much, much more to, for us in terms of the intimacy that we could find in prayer and the victories that we might win in prayer. And Daniel can teach us how to pray, right? Whether you're brand new to prayer or you've been praying faithfully and joyfully for decades, this guy knows how to pray. This is a man who, when he prayed, he was able to interpret pagan kings' dreams and change the direction of a nation. This is a man who, when he's prayed, God saved his life. This is a man who, when he prayed, the mouths of hungry lions were shut. His friends learned from him how to pray, so much so that when they were thrown into a fiery furnace, they somehow survived because they prayed. This guy is a titan of prayer. And so he can teach us. If we'll let him, he can really teach us how to pray. If you feel like a a mouse of prayer in comparison to being a titan of prayer, that's okay. In fact, can we be bold enough to say, I I feel more like a mouse of prayer than a titan of prayer? Any hands? There's a few, okay? So if you didn't put your hand up, you're thinking, is this okay? Like, clearly it's okay. We're a church where we're honest with each other. We don't all feel like titans of prayer. Some of you do, I know you do. But you're you're too humble to say so. My point is, let's not exclude ourselves from being in Daniel just because we're not seeing the mouths of lions shut and... Uh, praying for world leaders and so on and so forth. So, two weeks, this Sunday and next Sunday, we're going to think about what it means to be a praying church and how that will enable us to really live out this vision. Because ultimately, if we learn to pray, we'll get to know God even better, right? It's a conversation with God. 
If we learn to pray in a new way, we'll start to be in a, a community where we really are tangibly and authentically known and loved. Because it's in prayer where you learn to really love each other. It's in prayer where I think you learn to forgive each other. It's in prayer where you learn to prefer the other over yourself. And we're doing well, I think, at that, in terms of making a seat at our table. But I think it's through prayer we're going to grow in being what this city would love to find, a place where I can be known and loved and valued and accepted and released to be all that I can be. And it's in prayer that revival begins to stir and we get to make God known fruitfully to our city and to the ends of the earth. Indeed, it's only in prayer that the hearts of many are going to turn towards Christ. So, very much one message spread over two Sundays. If you can't be here next Sunday, change your plans and come. And if you really can't, then uh, catch up on the podcast because it is one message spread over two. First thing that we learn from Daniel, and if you're not making notes, can I encourage you to in some way because I really think it's going to be one of these, guess what, three points that God was going to want you to particularly mull on as we start this new year and this new decade. And I believe he's going to speak to each one of you about what it is that he would help cultivate in you about, about prayer. Whether you're here visiting because you're with family in New Year and they haven't kicked you out yet, or whether you've been in this church for 30 years, God's going to speak to you right now through his word about prayer. So write things down electronically, on paper, or mentally if you've got a better memory than me. First point, Daniel teaches us, and again, it's not very novel, to pray biblically. Verse 2. He says, I perceived in the books the number of years that according to the word of the Lord to Jeremiah the prophet must pass before the end of the desolations of Jerusalem, namely 70 years. So notice this amazing like, global shift takes place. This is huge. This is like China or America occupying the other capital city. This is a significant m- movement. And notice that the crisis drives Daniel not to Twitter to tweet out his various thoughts on the future of the world and his various thoughts of panic and anxiety. He goes to the Bible, at least to the Jewish scriptures that he has at that time, and he opens the book of Jeremiah. And he reads, I assume, Jeremiah chapter 25 and verse 11 to 12, which says this. This whole land shall become a ruin and a waste, and these nations shall serve the king of Babylon 70 years. Now, God said this to Jeremiah in the 600s BC. Where are we right now? 538 BC. Then, after 70 years are completed, I will punish the king of Babylon and that nation, the land of the Chaldeans, brackets Babylonians, for their iniquity, declares the Lord, making the land an everlasting waste. In other words, Daniel opens his Bible, he reads Jeremiah 25, he's reminded, oh yeah, a hundred years ago, God, you told us that because of our rebellion and our continual turning away from you, we would be judged and sent into exile. And you told us that after 70 years, it would be over and you'd remove the Babylonians. And look what's just happened. At least the Babylonians are gone. And he sets out to pray. This is real simple stuff, guys. He meets a crisis, so what does he do? He opens his Bible, He sees what God has said, and he starts to pray about it. He opens his Bible, he sees what God has said, and he starts to pray the Bible back to God. He doesn't say, gosh, I could lose my job here. I'm a, I'm a big, he's a big, big cheese in the Babylonian royal court. Now the, the whole thing has changed. This is not just the, you know, one party has changed, taken over the, the same government. This is a complete takeover. He's going to lose his job at, at best. 
I'd be saying, God, I need to get a new job. Can you look after my needs? He doesn't. He opens the Bible and he starts to pray what God has said about life and the future and his people. Is that how you pray? Do you pray biblically? Do you pray God's words back to him? You see, God loves it. Let me just be clear. Sound like a politician there. Let me be clear. But let me be clear. God does love it when we just tell him how we feel. Like, I'm, I'm not a perfect dad, but I'm a dad, and I love it when my little girl, who's now two, just tells me how she's feeling. I want to watch Peppa Pig. Great. Good to hear that. Again. God loves it when we just tell him how we are. Raw, honest, open prayers. Agreed? But he also loves it when we get to know him well enough that we start to speak his words back to him. This week, uh, Isabella, my little, little two-year-old girl, for the first time, she started, just in the, in the normal hubbub of Peppa Pig life, she just started saying, Daddy loves me, just in like, it, around, around we go. Why? Because I've told it to her so many times, she's just started to speak it back to me. She actually says, Daddy loves you, because her yous and me's are mixed up, but she means Daddy loves me, because she's got some of my language and she's speaking it back to me and that makes my heart sore just as much as it does when she says, oh, I want to watch Peppa Pig. <laughs> so yes, feelings prayer is great, but Bible prayers are brilliant. We don't simply and only take our desires to God and ask him to bless them. We open our Bible, we see what his desires are and we pray that he would fulfill them. And that's what Daniel is doing in these moments. Let me give you one example. Week of prayer and fasting starts here at King's a week tomorrow, as it does every year. We do it twice a year, January and September. On the Wednesday, we'll be praying for the local church. That's the sort of theme that we have. If you're new to all of this, we do this through life groups. Uh, speak to someone at the Connect Point afterwards, Kate perhaps, and she'll tell you all about life groups and how to get connected in the week of prayer and fasting. But let's say on Wednesday, it's like, right, pray for the church day. You're thinking, I don't really know what to pray for the church. I don't really feel particularly motivated, frankly, to pray for the church. What do you do at that moment? Do you shrug your shoulders and say, well, somebody else will? Becca and Abby, they'll probably pray for the church. They're keynotes. <laughs> do you say, well, I'll just pray a sort of general prayer. God bless King's Church. That would be fine as well. Or do you, at the back of your mind, think, actually, you know what? The Apostle Paul, he knew a few things about church, and he actually prayed for his local churches lots and lots of times, but I can't remember where any of them are, so I'll just Google Paul's prayers. I'll get led to Philippians chapter 1, and you find something like this in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 9. This is Paul praying for a church like ours in Philippi. He says, it is my prayer that you, church, May your love may abound more and more with knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve what is excellent and so be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Right, now I've got a vocabulary to pray God's words back to him about the church. There's loads there. I start praying that the love of King's church would just not be okay or reasonable, that it would abound. Like, God, would it abound? Like, would it increase exponentially more and more and more? May the love we have for each other be so amazing that it's always abounding and, and would it be a love that's full of knowledge oh yeah our vision statement is knowing, knowing God and making God known would we know you so well that we then know each other so well and make God known so well would we have the gift of discernment oh yeah spiritual gift God would you give me the gift of discernment so that I can love my fellow believers in King's Church so well and my love for them abounds more and more and more and would we only approve that which is excellent and pure and blameless and Jesus when you come back would we be right you've got a vocabulary to pray 
Praying biblically is not about praying long-winded, impressive prayers. We've all been in those situations where someone is just being a bit of a Pharisee, frankly, and they're just quoting as much scripture as they can in a prayer. That's not what I'm talking about. What I am talking about is getting to know your Heavenly Father so well that you begin to speak his language back to him and activate his promises and his kingdom in the present right now. Maybe that's, that's it. That could be sermon done for you. This year, 2020, I'm just going to begin to get my Bible reading plan to find somebody else I can do it with. And when I'm unsure, I'm going to find out what God thinks about this. And I'm going to speak it back to him. When I see stuff on the news that just like grieves me so much, injustice and, and, and just the awful things that we see, I'm not just going to panic and give God a panic prayer. I'm going to go to scriptures and demand that the God who loves mercy and justice more than me would bring uh, heaven to earth. Is that what God's nudging you about this morning? Number two, praying regularly. We're only in verse three. Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer. Now, how do I get praying regularly from this? Is this just me crowbarring my point in to make it work? You see, Daniel is a really, really impressive man. He is wise, old and wise, experienced, gifted, skillful, great reputation. If I was him... You are, Philip. What do you say? If I were... <laughs> deafening silence. <laughs> if you were him. If I was him, do you know what I would do? I'd be emailing Darius. Remember him? Cyrus, same guy, new, new king. I'd be emailing Darius's PA saying, right, I need a meeting with this new king. I need to safeguard my job. And I'd be thinking, right, I'm going to try and get a meeting with Darius, use all my reputation, credibility, gifting, and skill, see if I can broker a deal to get the Israelites back to... Um, back to Jerusalem. If that's what God's promised, that's what we want, I reckon I could maybe make that work. Daniel doesn't do that. He just prays. Then I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer. Is prayer your first resort or your last resort after you've exhausted all of your skills and gifts and talents? And there are loads in this church. Some of you got big, responsible, significant jobs, lots of skill, hospitals, schools, businesses that are in your hands. Terrifying, because I know some of you. But some of the, some, sometimes that can be a hindrance to prayer because we think, I've, I kind of got this. I kind of got this. I get a meeting with Darius, takes the PA, a negotiation, a bargain. Can we go back or can just I go back in maybe a couple of years' time, 80 years, if not, if not just praise. He just prays. And I want to suggest to you that this is not just a crisis prayer. Now, cr- again, caveat, crisis prayers are good. God for centuries has responded to people saying, basically, God, I haven't prayed to you for ages but I am really, really stuck. Please help. And God has responded to those prayers for centuries. But I don't think this is one of those. I think this is a man who has cultivated decades of regular prayer. Have you know that? Because in chapter 6, verse 10, not making this up, Daniel is almost killed because of his commitment to praying every day, three times a day. Chapter 6, verse 10. So I think this, res- this response to pray is the result of decades of habitual, daily, thrice daily prayer. Who wants a book recommendation for the beginning of the new year? Jamie does and Kate does. Great. Pete Gregg, How to Pray. If you read one book, well, read the Bible. If you read one other book this year, can you read, seriously, can you read Pete Gregg, How to Pray? It will really, really help you and bless you, but haven't you, Becca? And you, you are reading it. Where are you up to? Excellent, because I've nicked a story from here in chapter 3 and you haven't got there yet, so you wouldn't know. <laughs> Pete Gregg, How to Pray. He's going to really, really help you. One pound on Kindle, so if you're skint, just a pound. 
and it will really help you and inspire you and equip you. I don't agree with everything he says, but that's okay. The majority of it is absolutely brilliant and faith-inspiring and awesome. And he talks about praying three times a day. He has a routine for praying in the morning to a certain way. Sets his phone to go off at lunchtime to pray the Lord's Prayer. When was the last time he prayed the Lord's Prayer? Churches like us probably should get better at praying the Lord's Prayer more regularly. And he prays again in the evening around a particular way of rejoicing, reflecting, repenting on, 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 on the day behind. What if you committed, not because it's New Year and we're making resolutions about getting fitter and eating less calories and all chucking prayer as well, just dream for a moment. What if you prayed three times a day for 10 minutes each time? What if you just prayed the Lord's Prayer three times a day, 10 minutes each time? You started calling, our Father in heaven, I worship your name, your kingdom come. What if? What things might begin to shift? What mountains that Andrew was talking about might start to be moved? What paths might start to be straightened? What if? And I'm convinced that many of our prayers, many of my prayers, are not answered as I would wish and you and I would wish because we don't continue in regular prayer. We pray it once and maybe twice and it doesn't happen. So we stop. Any hands up for that one? See, you're in good company here. We're all learning together. It's a messy, gritty business prayer and we can learn together. But I'm convinced if we learn to regularly pray, perhaps the same thing. Let me give you an example. D.L. Moody. He, had a, he wrote down the names of a hundred of his friends that did not know Christ. And he prayed for them every day for decades. 96 of them came to faith in Christ before he died. And do you know what? At his funeral, the last four crossed the line of faith as well. <laughs> every day. Now, am I going to pray for a hundred of my... No- I've got a got hundred friends. <laughs> Am I going to pray for, oh, I know. <laughs> Am I going to pray for a hundred non-Christians every day? Probably not. But I, I could do three. Could you? Three. And D.L. Moody <laughs> is currently in bliss in the presence of Jesus along with those hundred. <laughs> what if you were? That's, that's what helps me to pray often, is picturing uh, eternity, the new creation, the world as it should be. Let me tell you another story. Because you might, you might think, oh, I'm not a D.L. Moody, and a, I'm not a Daniel, I'm not a titan of prayer. Let me tell you a story about a lady called Susanna. She lived in the 1600s and 1700s near Sheffield. Not both centuries, but in the crossing of, of, of both centuries. And uh, she had a tough life. You think you've got a tough life? Let me tell you about Susanna's life. Her husband was a terrible husband and a terrible pastor, frankly, into the mix. It meant that she had a really, really hard marriage, like you wouldn't believe. He, the rubbish husband, was imprisoned twice. Their house was burned down by the local church twice. Don't get any ideas. <laughs> She lost nine children in infancy. She had ten more children who she survived, that survived that she uh, pretty much solo parented. Her husband's replacement vicars were even worse than him and the gospel was frankly not preached in the local church near Sheffield. So what did she do? She launched her own Sunday school in her home for her children primarily. And guess what? About 200 people ended up coming 
because they could see there was life there, the presence of God there, the Bible was being taught there. And she opened up the scriptures, and apparently they sung psalms, and they prayed together, and the local church languished empty in the meantime. My question is, and it should be yours, I think, is how did she do all of that? How did she survive the loss of nine children and a really volatile marriage without becoming, you know, really bitter and broken? How did she care for and educate ten children? And she educated them brilliantly, the boys and the girls, by the way. You can read the story yourself. She gave them, apparently, each a personal hour of attention on a rotating rotor through the week. How did she do all of that? Well, she had a secret, apparently. Susanna's secret was found in her apron. And I'm told that every day, for two hours, or at least two hours throughout the course of the day, she would gather her apron, and she would put it over her head, and all of her children, all ten of them, knew that was the moment at which my mum is praying, and she is not to be interrupted. And she did it every day, two hours a day, with an apron over her head, and she prayed. And we're told that she prayed her socks off. She prayed, she mourned her lost uh, she had mourned her lost babies. She prayed for her infuriating husband. She prayed for every one of her children by name every day. And she prayed for the kingdom of heaven to come into her little village outside Sheffield. And this little church thing exploded in her house. But the story doesn't end there. Because Susanna's surname was Wesley. And she had two boys amongst her ten, called John and Charles. If you know anything about the Christian traditions of this nation, they became quite significant. John and Charles Wesley, in many ways, transformed the state of the nation through their preaching and hymn writing in the 1700s. And their legacy goes on today. They founded the Methodist movement. There are 30 million Methodists around the world today. Why? Well, at least in part, because those two boys were prayed for every day by their mother, by Susanna. She wasn't Impressive, she wasn't famous. Well, she, she didn't particularly pray for dramatic things, I don't think, but through the power of regular prayer, changed the world, genuinely changed the world. So, what if? What if you were to pray biblically, and what if you were to pray regularly? Just as a quick aside, because I haven't got time to get into it, um, but the rest of verse 3 goes on like this. I turn my face to the Lord God, seeking him by prayer and pleas for mercy with fasting and sackcloth and ashes. Our week of fasting, in simple terms, starts a week tomorrow. If you're new to it, I've taught on it at length before, so you can look on the website and find previous messages on what fasting is, why we value it. But in simple terms, can I encourage you to think how you're going to engage in the, the age-old practice of fasting, primarily from food, but maybe from things like social media, in order, in simple terms, to humble ourselves in front of God and say, I'm learning to be, I'm learning to hunger for you more than food. I'm learning that the things that you've called us to, we just can't do without praying. And so I'm going to fast. That will start a week tomorrow. Number three. From Daniel, we also learn to pray audaciously. Biblically, regularly, and audaciously. I'm going to skip to verse 17, and we'll come back into that middle text that I've skipped next week. And in that middle text, Daniel carries on doing what he's done in verses 4, 5, and 6, which is basically beginning to repent. And at some length, he cries out to God, and he says two things. God, you're amazing. I'm confident in your grace, your mercy, your righteousness. We're a disaster. We desperately need you. We have failed you. Here's that for about 10, 11 verses. And then in verse 17, he says this. Now, therefore, 
O our God. Listen to the prayer of your servant and to his pleas for mercy. And for your own sake, O Lord, make your face to shine upon your sanctuary, which is desolate. Listen to this. Do you pray like this? O my God, incline your ear and hear. Open your eyes and see our desolations and the city that is called by your name. For we do not present our pleas before you because of our righteousness, but because of your great mercy. And here he goes, ramping up. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, pay attention and act. Delay not for your own sake. Oh my God, because your city and your people are called by your name. When was the last time you said to God, pay attention and act? It's in the Bible. And God does not strike Daniel down. These are not the prayers of a spoilt child. These are the prayers of somebody who's prayed biblically, who's prayed regularly, and who's humbled themselves in fasting in front of God. And when you do those things, you start to pray like this. Give you another example. Loads of history today. Martin Luther, great reformer. He, uh, he had a friend that fell seriously ill. His name was Philip. And Martin Luther prayed for his friend. And he recounts how he prayed. Listen to this. I attacked him, God, with his own weapons, quoting from scriptures all the promises I could remember, that prayers should be granted and that he must answer my prayer if I was henceforth to put faith in his promises. And God didn't strike him down either. He answered his prayer. Apparently his friend Philip was miraculously healed. He answered Daniel's prayer. In just a few years' time, through Ezra and Nehemiah, Darius slash Cyrus does extraordinarily permit the people of Israel to go back to Israel to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem after 70 years, just as God has said. Because they, pr- they pray, pay attention and act, God. When was the last time you prayed like that? Oh, Lord, if you wouldn't mind much, maybe you could think about blessing this aspect of my life, please, if it's your will. Caveat. Oh Lord, pay attention and act. How do you get to pray like that, that audaciously? It's uh, simple. Daniel, you just learn to pray. You read your Bible, you start taking God, you start realizing how many promises he's made. You start praying those kinds of songs that we've, that we've sung. You start to speak the language of God back. To God, you said. And that's the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. It's both. You've said, you're more passionate about me. You've said that you're patient. You don't want any of my friends to perish. You've said that, God, so come on, act. You also said, not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, you said, not my will, but yours be done. It's both and. And at this point, we've got to acknowledge the elephant in the room. For your will, but not my will be done. What about when you pray the audacious prayers and God doesn't answer like he answered Daniel and Martin Luther? Anyone, and it could be, we'll be honest, we're giving, this is a good start today, King's Church, we'll be honest with our hands up. Put your hand up if you've ever been disappointed in God's answers to your prayers. Can I ask you to keep your hand up if you're living with that disappointment right now as I'm talking? Well done, thank you. That is really courageous. I'll tell you a story. <coughs> Probably cry. Usually do. It's a new year. Someone said, someone said to me, you've got a new jumper. Is that going to be a new style of preaching? No. <laughs> Probably still cry. But in 2016, 
Some of you know this story. Uh, oh, Carol and I's first sort of marital prayer battle was for my uh, great friend's wife. I'd known them for, since I was five. Uh, and my friend's wife, she's 38, fellow, bowel cancer. I was looking pretty bad. And so we prayed. We prayed these kinds of audacious, God, you must act prayers. You know where this is going. And she died of, of this cancer. She was a mother of two. And uh, my best mate was left widowed and still is. But one of the things that my friend said, and if you, some of you have met him, and you should all meet him, he said to me once as we were talking and praying and crying about all this sort of thing about last year, he said, I've got a choice when it comes to unanswered prayer and suffering. I can either let it ref- I, he said, I can either let it define me or I can let it refine me. I can either let it define me or I can let it refine me. And he didn't say it knowing that I would quote it or somebody would tweet it. He just said it because he believed it and he's living by it. And he's thriving in some extraordinary but painful way. And one of the things that he's chosen to do, I, th- I think probably pretty much every day, maybe sometimes not, is to take the disappointment, tell it to God, ask him to help with it, and to lead him into new audacious kingdom plans and promises. The question is, if you put your hand up, even if you didn't, will you join me in doing that? Because <laughs> it really holds us back. Pete Gregg's got a great chapter on this does it much better than me, is to help you to, it might be more of a process than I'm leading you through right now, but to acknowledge it, to confess it, to tell it to God, and ask him to lead you forward. And I realized something this week is, I think it's this, as much, oh, thank you, How did, you what, did you know this was coming? Uh, as much as I fear the disappointment of God not answering some of the things I want us to go for, which I'll talk about more next week, as much as I fear the disappointment of that, I just sp- it's a real thing, as big as that fear is, I realize the more that I pray biblically and regularly and do it in community, like talking with John on Friday, as, much, as big as the fear thing is, the desire to see the audacious prayers answered gets bigger than the fear. So that again. The fear doesn't go away. Like if you're new to this church, we, we just do try and be honest with each other, so I'll just be even more honest. I am fearful of another 2016 experience. Why I said to us, King's Church, God's saying to us that we're going to see 10 people baptized, and we're going to go for that in prayer, and we did, and we saw none. Maybe one, I can't think none. Hate those moments. I fear another one of them. So I'd rather scale it down and not lead you or be led by you in those kinds of prayers. But I'm learning, the more we pray biblically, more I pray regularly, the more I humble myself and fast, the more I do it in community and learn from others. The fear doesn't really go away. It just gets surpassed by the desire to see the audacious prayers answered. So I, I, I now want to see cancer healed more than I fear it not being. And I think King's Church, just to, just to land on some of the, if you like, specifics before we go into some prayer and some worship. I wonder what God is saying to you in these moments. Please don't let the moment go by. Is it praying biblically? Is it praying regularly? Is it praying audaciously? Is it working the disappointment? Please make a note of it. 
I do think God is onto something with us. And this is good news. Like, there are loads of things happening. Weeks of prayer and fasting, 40 days of prayer in Lent again. Ministry to the homeless, to children in care. Dreaming about planting churches into the Middle East in, in years to come. Wondering what God's doing in East Molesy and could we begin to have a community of faith over there? Our worship team's gone from two to, to three and, and a team of five and six. We're going to appoint a Y leadership team in, in February and March. People are generous here, giving of their finances. There's loads of good things happening. It's a loving place to be. It's encouraging. I think we've gone, honest with you, I think we've gone from a place of surviving in 2016, 17, early 18. I think we're healthy now. That's God's grace to us because he answers prayers. doesn't let his church dwindle away. Amen? Amen? But I wouldn't say we're yet motoring. Yeah? I read somewhere like Acts 2. I see, oh, that's, that looks like the stuff. That's seeing people saved and added every day. That's in and out of each other's homes in the most remarkable way. That's signs and wonders. That's cancers healed and words of prophecy that cause people to say, surely God is in this place. So I'm really pleased and I'm so grateful for what God's done and for what you, he has done through you. Thank you for all that you've given yourselves to to bring us in Christ to a place of health. What if we were to learn to pray this year? What then? What signs and wonders might we get to see? What friends uh, might we get to see baptized? What children might we see come to faith? What people who've lost their faith seemingly might we see return to a vibrant faith? What people who are just ticking along we might see suddenly come alive because the Holy Spirit, like in Acts 2, has fell up, fallen upon them. And the good news is you don't have to do anything in terms of it's not a new ministry or a scheme or get to some more, well, I'll come to some more prayer meetings, but it's not like get to some more things or, or add more stuff to your diary or, or even start giving more money. It's, it's, it, it, the strategy literally is let's learn to pray. <laughs> Those of you who love your strategy, there it is. We're going to try and learn to pray in 2020 and as best I know for the rest of this decade. And we're going to learn to pray biblically. And we're going to learn to pray regularly. And we're going to learn to pray humbly through fasting. And we're going to learn to pray audaciously. And we're also going to learn, as an aside, to celebrate what God does, small or large. I'm terrible at that. I just want to see the dead raised or nothing sometimes. <laughs> and we need to. You need to help me, I would say, probably. Celebrate the, the sometimes the smaller things that, that God does. Do that together. Not, to make things, not invent things and say things that are that are not but celebrate the small things that God does as we work our way towards audacious things. I want us to lead us in a brief prayer, aptly enough. Um, Ellen and Hannah, I wonder whether you could... I would just love to lead you in a prayer around those just to help you respond to these different things. And I'll try and be concise, but heads up, in the Pete Gregg book and in some other books, I think Simon Holly in his... Um, <coughs> Sustainable Power book does some other stuff on disappointment. So if there's more to be done, there might be some reading that I and others can help you with in, in ministry and things. So I'll be brief on disappointment, but it might be more for you. So please bow your heads and get ready to respond. Lord God, thank you that you're here. Thank you that you're with us. Thank you that you speak through your word in 2020 in Kingston, just like you did in Babylon in 538 BC. And so I pray, would you just, if you haven't already, put your hand upon each person that you want to particularly 
learn to pray from the Bible this year? And would you put your fatherly hand of grace and encouragement and put faith for that? And when it comes to praying regularly, again, would you just rest your spirit upon those you would stir for regular prayer that continues perhaps three times a day, perhaps once a day, perhaps just for five minutes to start, maybe serious intercessionary prayer like Susanna Wesley of two hours a day. Just rest your Holy Spirit, I pray, so that we know it's from you and you're encouraging us and you're beckoning us as a father to come and learn to get to know you, not just to do religious activity. And thirdly, I pray for all those who said disappointment is holding me back here. Bless them for their courage in saying that, Lord. And right now, would you just enable them to give you that disappointment, however it looks, whether it's a person or a theme or a memory. Just give that to Father God in these moments. Let him take it. And in these moments, see what he gives you in return. That's for him to do, not me to know. And fourthly, well, when it comes to praying audacious prayers, If you haven't already, would you just, again, put your hand upon us? And would you resurrect old audacious prayers that have died? Just speak them out, either under your breath or in your head to God, so they're spoken and they're resurrected in faith. And would you put new audacious prayers right now by your spirit into hearts and minds speak them out either under your breath or in your heart's mind's eye and Lord we say like Daniel pay attention (laughs) and act delay not for your own sake oh my God Here, forgive. Help us, Lord. Teach us how to pray this year, I pray. And give us the privilege of finding new intimacy and joy in the place of prayer. And give us the joy of celebrating victories won in prayer. Pay attention, God. Amen.